0: CineBuds is supported by Associated Bank. CineBuds, CineBuds, two buddies, buddies talking about CineBuds. cinema. Hey Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm
1: Justin Barney
0: from 88.9.
1: I'm also Justin Barney from 88.9. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. And we're CineBuds.
0: Today, we are talking about the Academy Award-winning Best Pictures of the 1950s. This is part of our like ongoing quarantine series of watching all of the best pictures ever of all time and talking about each decade and how they're going. So, uh, last time we talked about the Academy Award-winning Best Pictures of the 1940s, and in that decade, or in the middle of World War II, a lot of the movies are either like straight propaganda or just like, you know, general ho hum patriotism of, you know, let's like, let's support this thing and let's, you know, reflect our patriotic spirit in our art and let's award movies that. Uh, kind of like get everybody interested in the general thing, and so it was like a it was a really it was a you know a rally around the war effort, and a lot of the movies were just pretty much just straight up tinged by World War ii which is understandable. Yeah, sure. It was
1: a why not? It was a big war. um <laughs> It was, the, and so it was the second one. It was the second one. It already <laughs> had a big one, and they had a second. <laughs> so you think they'd improve upon it? You know, movies love sequels. They do. You know, so yeah. it was like kind of like one of the biggest sequels ever. For okay. Sure.
0: Anyway, um, so the 1950s here, there isn't like some gigantic world event and it really shows in the movies. In, in the 10 movies that are the best picture of the 1950s, it's not all war movies. It's not all, um, you know, two and a half hour long epics, even though there are a lot of those. Why but not? there's a lot of- there's a lot of variety in the
1: 1950s. You know, they had so much more time on their hands back then. Why not make a three-hour movie? Well, they did. Christopher, yeah. They
0: did it a ton. But there's also – in the 1950s, uh, we get into color. Before the 1950s, there was one movie, Gone with the Wind, that was in color, and the rest were in black and white. And so in the 50s, there are kind of like, it kind of oscillates back and forth between color and black and white. There are musicals, there are serious dramas, there are kind of like lighthearted comedies. The 1950s got it all. Yeah. And it starts (laughs) with the movie that was made in 1950, the award was given in 1951, the movie All About Eve. That's a good movie. Yeah, have you seen it? I loved
1: it. Yeah, that's a great movie.
0: In All About Eve, it is really a modern movie in the sense that, um, uh, you know, two years before All About Eve, Hamlet was given the award. And it's a lot of these, like, stage dramas. And All About Eve, there was a moment in the beginning, like, really early, where they're at an award show, and the scene stops. And it's a freeze frame, and there's a voiceover on the freeze frame, and yeah. I was like, "Whoa, we are in the modern world." Yeah, it's
1: like a you know, I, it's pretty much a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, there, it's like there is, there is a, a cinema, cinematographic, cinematography, <laughs> like there, there are like there's interesting a things done with about the, it. I think, <laughs> yeah. And you know, um female
1: lead characters. Yeah. That's Betty Davis, no less. You get to see that like the one one of the best Betty Davis films you can watch. I, she's just full Betty Davis. Betty Davis and a very young, very short
0: cameo from Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, that's right. All About Eve was great. It was a great, like, step into modernity.
1: Yeah, I like that movie. I like the clash between, like, the old guard and young upstart. And then you watch the personality. There's, like, a lot of room to act in that movie. There's a lot of – it's a bunch of meaty roles. And it's, like, kind of literally about, like, new meets old, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: And that's kind of, like, a great way to, like, usher in the decade and kind of, like, signify a change in cinema. Uh, All About Eve. Great first year. Okay, we are going to get into the other nine films, the best uh, Academy Award-winning best pictures of the 1950s. After the break, stick around. Support for CineBuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank, proud supporter of Milwaukee Film and offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 88.9 pride. And we're back talking Academy Award winning Best Breach 1950s Um in the previous so I've been Just like steamrolling through these and watching Like each one every day And yeah. in the 40s you hadn't seen As many but in the 50s Boy yeah I'm
1: about the 50s uh, I, I had seen a lot of them and I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about This this next one
0: Okay we talked about this kind of briefly Because I loved it so much In a like what else are we watching yeah. Um so let's talk about here. 1951, the winner is An American in Paris. Yes, but you man. want to talk some smack, K. Polly? Fine. Talk some smack.
1: A little bit. Love Gene Kelly. I love a musical from this era. They're bright. The dancing's great. Oh, yes. Gene yes. Kelly is amazing. Every yes. moment that he was dancing, I was happy. And yes. then the last 20 minutes was just all dancing. I was happy with that. The rest yes. of that movie is garbage <laughs> whatever christopher the
0: rest of that movie was great this is like the first movie since gone with the wind that's in color and honestly it was like watching all these movies that are black and white just it being in color after yeah. seeing black and white it's like you I, I like i get how stunning it was and boy are the colors amazing the
1: American Paris, 2020 and I've seen color a ton. <laughs> yeah. I've exclusively seen color mildly things of black and white. Um no, it looked good, I guess. K Holly over it. I'm so over it. It was like it's no singing in the rain. Singing in the rain is tops.
0: Uh didn't uh, win an Academy Award winning best picture though.
1: Oh, but you would
0: think that. it would have won if it was tops.
1: Let's I don't know if we've set this tone yet. But let's talk about the fact that I mean we have to set the stone. Academy Awards are oh, given to yeah. <laughs> people for a number of reasons. One of them is not that they are the best picture. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do
0: while doing this, like when I'm watching like a total garbage best picture is yeah. like what other movies came out this year? Like could this could this no year kidding. have been this bad? And then like looking back at the movies that came out this year, it's just devastating
1: it just makes how, angry.
0: Fre- how frequently it, the uh, the best picture is given to it may the ninth best picture of the year or something
1: like that. yeah or like something mediocre that was like that, was, that would have been a great best picture 20 years ago right. let's also point out that um american paris won against streetcar named desire with marlon brando i agree with that decision preposterous, preposterous. i agree with it okay
0: i agree with it because the colors are amazing. The scenes are amazing. The tap dancing—the last twenty minutes was amazing. We have to
1: reassess the fifties if the reason you give a best picture is like I can finally see color. <laughs> hey and man, in that decade is just—we just need to move on.
0: And a- also, it like it sets like the romance of Paris. You know, like Paris is a a much romanticized city, and this very much like. Is one of those early uh, romanticizations of Paris and like sets that tone and whatever I like that
1: streetcar okay. no 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 we're not done street <laughs> streetcar was like one of those movies that set the tone for that new generation of acting where you had Eli Kazan brought in Marlon Brando in this amazing play Tennessee Williams play and then you get this new generation of actors that are kind of uh, kind of shuffling off that old like hey, everyone, I'm in, I'm in the scene, and I'm big, and I have a tone in my voice. To more naturalistic acting, he's sitting there, he's on the swing, he's playing with her gloves. Christ, we'll we get there. Yeah, Mar- Marlon well, Brando is coming.
0: We? He he comes and and it's great, and it ushers in a new era. Yes, yeah. fine, but let's just have one great, one big, colors. colorful sing along to go color? out.
1: It's the Coloring Book of Films. Okay.
0: Paris. <laughs> okay, 1952. fifty-two. Nineteen. The winner of Best Picture in 1952 is The Greatest Show on Earth. A bloated, like, two-and-a-half-hour to three-hour part documentary, part drama. There was so much going on and nothing going on at all. I think this was my least favorite movie of the decade. It stunk
1: uh oh we're about to it's about to kick off again did you like this movie? I'm gonna shift gears so hard from the last my last complaint of dark <laughs> Paris do not tell me you like this movie I love the Greatest show oh my god
0: what on earth is there to love charlton heston giving his most. Forced performance of all
1: time, just being a miserable old bastard. That's the worst impression I've ever heard. I just want you to know that <laughs> he is a terrible impression of himself. Uh, he
0: he is like a cartoon.
1: It's he is terrible. I I like it. I like it for all the reasons you said you liked American Paris, and I said I hated American Paris. It's so big and grand. It is very colorful. Suddenly, I'm fine with this. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh! <laughs> it's so colorful. But you know what? It's, it's the circus, and you've got uh, Jimmy Stewart as a sweet clown and a murderer. And, and a murderer all the You can't just, just gloss over the fact.
0: You can't just gloss over that fact no, you don't gloss over
1: it. Every clown is a murderer We just need to accept that as a culture Okay. But in this case uh, This was a time where I started exp- When I was watching movies And I saw this movie When I was starting to go back And wow. kind of get into all these old big epic long movies
0: glad that you found this it's movie at a time title. where you were watching movies
1: yeah i know what a <laughs> time
0: in your life <laughs> what a, what a big shift <laughs> About
1: three months ago when i started watching movies uh, i don't know what it was but this was like hit me at the perfect time where i wanted to see this big epic thing and it was the circus and it was these actors that i'd just started to become familiar with so i was younger sure. when i watched it but i loved it
0: So I think that it could have been a great movie if it just kind of like stuck to the documentary part, because the like the documentary kind of like behind the scenes of how a circus works was legitimately fascinating. Like the circus boys that like get brought in to put up the tent and then they like get free admission. But it's basically like an entire city has to, like, get together to, like, put on this show. And then there were, like, big, long scenes that were honestly kind of boring after a while, but it was just, like, just, like, a 20-minute scene of a parade of a circus in the 1950s. It's, like, an interesting, like... Document to see, like, this is what life and entertainment was in the 1950s. Would have loved to just see the documentary, but then you put like Charlton Heston's miserable character and Jimmy Stewart's like misused. Like, Jimmy Stewart is legitimately one of the most charming actors of all time, and they put him into the worst role that you could possibly do.
1: They made him a murderer clown. That is a genius move. It's like when they made Henry Fonda, who was like the most, he was like the Tom Hanks of his generation, make him a horrible, intense villain in uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. That's a perfect thing to do for an actor, especially one that has this set tone. Total 180 for the public. You know what? I disagree. I know you do. 19. 19- uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I also want to say, <laughs> ready to uh, I do just feel like I need to go back and be on record as saying I'm uncomfortable with the phrase circus boys. <laughs> uh, do not know why? If we could just put that On record. On record. Now.
0: All right, 1953, the winner of Best Picture for 1953 is the movie From Here to Eternity.
1: That's right, with old
0: blue eyes. Oh, blue eyes. Um, From Here to Eternity is, it should be like, From Here to Eternity, colon, hunks in Hawaiian shirts. You're you're damn right. Because it's got Burt Lancaster. Montgomery oh, yeah. Cliff and Frank up. Sinatra, go boy, for it, boy! Are they good looking? And that it was like that was just kind of like I felt like the point of the movie was just like here are some good looking men. They're Marines. Yeah. They're in Hawaiian shirts. That's about it. This movie did nothing yeah. for me.
1: I liked it. I think it's I, sp- I know that you like this movie. a lot. Yeah, I do, I do like this movie. It's like a it's like a little bit like a soap opera, but I I. I, I I think I discovered by myself is I like movies that on paper are soap operas, but are written really well and filmed. Really well. <laughs> like Pedro Omodovar is a great example. All of his movies could be if written by a lesser person are essentially soap operas. Um, but That's one,
0: definitely what this is.
1: Yeah. So I feel, and I felt good about it. I liked it a lot.
0: Okay. Yeah. It was like a soap opera. And then I felt like this big, like, they're in Hawaii in the 1940s. What do you think is going to happen? 1941. Yeah. You know, it's like you just know that Pearl Harbor is going to happen. And then it comes. It To me, it felt like kind of a pander. It felt like, hey, we've got this soap opera-y movie. Let's throw in Pearl Harbor. And then they, the Oscars won't be able to resist it.
1: Right. And, no, for uh, sure. Which is they, probably the only reason it won against Roman Holiday and Shane, because those are two, like, heavy hitter movies.
0: Yeah. I'm glad that you're looking those up. Um, yeah okay 1954 here you go here is marlon brando 19 the winner of 1954 is on the waterfront
1: say one of my favorite movies of all time
0: on the waterfront legitimately great it was one of those where like i'm looking at the list and i'm like okay gray show on earth i don't super know what that is marty's next and i was like okay on the waterfront i know i know that it's good will it be good Hell yeah. It is so good. Marlon Brando is so good. The whole, like, cinematography of it and the vibe is, like, grimy and dirty and black and white, like, to the point where it's, like, really romantically gritty.
1: Yeah, it's on the docks. It's about a boxer. I'm oh, you got to hit those vowels.
0: In there. I will
1: it's on say... The docks. Yeah. It's about a boxer.
0: Like, <laughs> suddenly Cape <laughs> I mean,
1: Polly about is a- from New England. <laughs> if you're talking about grit, you got to put it in your voice. <laughs> it's true. On the docks, it's about a boxer. Yeah. Listen, I would like to point out for there's going to be some nerds out there. They're going to point out that earlier when I was talking about Streetcar Desire, I was wow. describing a scene from on the waterfront, and I just realized that my wow. argument stands. I just. I just <laughs> described the wrong scene earlier. My argument stands. It just means nothing now. No, and man. so,
0: and ipso nearly, facto, Justin was right. Kay Polly was wrong.
1: I would like you to, if you can spell ipso facto, we, I'll, <laughs> I will relate.
0: I don't even super know what that means, <laughs> but I think, I have a feeling that maybe I know how it's
1: used I'm using it already, right- but I don't know what it means. Was I using America. it right? I have no idea.
0: Okay. Um, on the Waterfront, great movie <laughs> Go see On the
1: Waterfront And I will say, from what I can tell I haven't seen all the contenders <laughs> Oh, and I use that Appropriately for On <laughs> <laughs> um, For 1954 But I have seen Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which I think is a Garbage movie that people <laughs> seem to love Oh, and I think I just broke up with my Girlfriend by saying that
0: <laughs> <laughs> An audible gasp yeah, From the crowd gal- uh,
1: the gasp is in the podcast That's perfect um, I will say uh, Seven rest for Seven Brothers It's about a kidnapping That everyone is kind of okay with um, it's, a it's a consensual It is a consensual <laughs> kidnapping, Nicole um, And there's a movie called The Country Girl Which I've never seen But I just I don't feel good about that either yep. um, But yeah I think On the Waterfront Seemed like an appropriate choice
0: Okay Let's keep this show on the road right. 1955 Yeah Oh, you! I know you love this one. I think my sleeper pick for my favorite movie of the decade, uh, the winner of 1955, is the movie Marty. Yeah. The Marty is played by Ernest Borgnine. Beautiful, beautiful Ernest Borgnine. This movie is a simple story. It is like the first Oscar winner that is 90 minutes long. It's a tight 90. It's just like, (laughs) it's so refreshing to just like not have so much fat in the movie. And it is just... yet,
1: Ernest Borgnine. (laughs) Ironic. (laughs) Ironic in a slim Ernest Borgnine film.
0: That's funny. Um, But Ernest Borgnine was such a simple story of a man who does not feel that he deserves to be loved yeah finding love it was tender it was sweet it was so simple and it was the the character development was was like was good and it was just it was it
1: was elegantly simple it was one of the first movies that that won such a big award that seemed not at all not at all like a hollywood movie
0: Absolutely, it that was a totally. Portrait.
1: Yeah, it was a portrait of a character, not a very Hollywood. I mean, he was not a handsome, typically handsome man. I yep. love borgman I think is beautiful. But uh, the characters in it are just supposed to be simple, real people. It's a beautiful story. It's a lovely movie. Probably one of my favorites of that decade, for sure.
0: Yeah, that it's it's not a it's just so not a Hollywood movie. You're right, I, and I think that that was. What brings it across? Okay, Sleeper, Marty, go watch it. Yeah. Okay, 1956. I think you said that you did not see this one. The winner of 1956 is the movie Around the World in 80 Days.
1: Before you say anything about it, I want to say that I want, I love Jules Verne. I'm a big fan of Jules Verne. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do want to see this movie so badly. And I kept thinking I'm going to watch it before we have the show. But I I am daunted by the three plus hours of it. Yeah, but I, sure. I, I'm I'm excited to see it, even if it's not supposed to be. Yeah, it, it,
0: it, it's like um, it's like not the greatest movie in the world. Yeah. It it is a uh, it, it's over three hours and it's just like mostly scene setting. Um, but the scene setting that they do is really good. Yeah. You know, it's like they um, it, so it's uh, obviously it's it's the Jules Verne story around the world in eighty days, and so. Um, each like 20 minutes or 30 minutes is like a different country. And they go to that country and they film. And so it's like they go to Spain and they have like Jose Greco, who I have a like a flamenco artist who's like, I have two albums that my grandma had that were Jose yeah. Greco albums. I wouldn't know him unless my grandma gave me these albums. Um, and they have like a bullfighting scene. And you see like authentic bullfighting in spain in the 1950s so it's like got a bit of that like greatest show on earth documentary feel where where there are are like actually going to these countries and seeing these cultures in the 1950s which was like pre-globalization so (laughs) like the cultures are a lot more like distinct than you know they are now and so it's a great like window into all these things it's like, as a movie, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it is, and it's just, like, so punishingly long. Yeah. But But it is interesting. It, it's worried. like... Yeah. If you I'm have worried. it on the background... Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, if you have it on the background, I think it's good.
1: Yeah. I'm really interested to see it, because uh, I love seeing the adaptations of books, uh, how they do it. And I do know, so they every time they advertise this movie... Or you see the cover? He's always in a balloon. Yeah. How much yeah, yeah. time does he spend in the balloon in the film? Oh my god, none. Yeah, like none. It's not even. There's not even a balloon in the book. Like it's he so weird. Yeah,
0: because that's the what I knew about going into it too. I was like, oh, this is that balloon thing.
1: Yeah. Can you hear my dog going crazy? He loves this movie. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Are You ready? What else we got? What
0: else we got? Okay, 1957 is the winner of academy award best picture of the 1957 is the movie the bridge over the river Kwai? what what do you
1: think about this one i really liked it it's it's like a epic i'm not a big war movie guy yeah. uh but i this is it's again those epic sweeping films and you've got great actors in it um i really did like it
0: i had my i had my issues with it
1: yeah um
0: it's a world war two movie. It takes place in like the Asian South Pacific and uh, kind of like the thrust of the movie is that like these British soldiers are more civilized and dignified than, you know, the, than Japan.
1: Um, Oh yeah. No, there's a, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And so that's like, and even though there are like our beats of it, that, that work, There's kind of like there's this principled stance that like really bothered me about insisting that Japan abide by the rules of the Geneva Convention, and I just like it. It like upset me to the point where like I looked it up and was like Japan was like intentionally held out of the Geneva Convention. And when like all of these countries around the world were included to agree on this like set of rules that they made that are, you know, that then they imposed upon every country in the world, whether they agreed to or were invited to these rules or not. And so I'm like, why? Yeah. Why would they abide by the rules of the Geneva Convention? You know, they they, you know, it's like it's playing by different rules. And so it like really bothered me that this was like the that this guy took such a principled stance and really like stuck it to this nation that had no business abiding by the rules. Why didn't the, why didn't the, the British soldiers abide by Japanese rules? You know, like why weren't they were the prisoners? Like why (laughs) weren't they, you know, forced to follow those rules? I, it just like that part, that aspect of it, I was insurmountable for me.
1: Yeah. The, I mean, there's a couple of things. One, there should be like a broad disclaimer about all of the movies from this era is that they right. are not they do not hold up well culturally uh there's the, there's th- that for sure and there are things uh, that we can learn
0: from that i i, I don't yeah. think that you shouldn't watch movies because they don't
1: age no well. for sure yeah kind of figure kind of highlight the time and understand it um and not all of them do that like some like i said marty there's like this is just the ones that have more yeah. political uh, social yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wartime time of things the Geneva Ken- conventions like it's essentially a standard to make sure you don't torture everybody so i'm fine with everyone whether they like it or not <laughs> to not torture people when they when they capture them that i'm not a uh, i don't have too much of a problem <laughs> with imposing but uh generally yeah there's still that attitude of uh all evil versus all good which is never uh accurate yeah i do i do find it interesting when you get into more modern times, uh, that narrative changes a lot, and people not only because they should, and it, because it's true, but also makes it more interesting when you have a more realistic portrayal of how people behave in wartime, where we're not all good, we're not all evil. Some yeah. of, there's some evil on the good on the supposed good team as well. And, totally. Uh, and then you hum- and- humanize everybody in a way that makes it more universal in understanding and some of those movies are coming up in the best pictures you yes, know that's platoon true. comes in and yes, some right. other
0: movies like that where it's but like it eventually
1: gets to that point where you start to see the a little bit more of a real look at it yeah these are more yay for our team we've defeated the evil <laughs> totally i haven't seen this movie in a long time i'm not backpedaling right. i enjoyed right, the right. filmmaking of it i enjoy the performances but yeah, yeah. The, for movies from this time especially about this era you're never gonna, they're never gonna get it right for sure. Okay,
0: 1958. The best picture of 1958. It is the second best picture for director Vicente Manelli. It is the same director as An American in Paris. Uh, 1958 is Gigi.
1: I have not seen this film, but because it is connected to American Paris, I assume it's straight garbage. <laughs> if you did not like An American in Paris, you will not
0: like Gigi. <laughs> It's basically, like, kind of the sequel. It is in color. Its costumes are amazing. Its songs are delightful. It has Maurice Chavaillet, one of my favorite musicians of all time, just being a charming, charismatic Frenchman.
1: Sure. And I got to say, I also do not like charming, charismatic Frenchmen. (laughs) So there's, that's also a, a tick in the wrong direction.
0: I, I thought that this movie was delightful. Um, also, in spite of the fact that it is about a relationship that is not okay. It is <laughs> <laughs> predatory. Oh, I, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's like, i it's either unclear how young she is or something in my mind just kind of like blanked that out. But it's definitely canceled for sure.
1: I will say, <laughs> I will say, if I am not incorrect, this is based on a book by Colette. And Colette, uh, a lot of her heroines uh, were like young girls in her books. She has this famous series of books called Claudine, which is about like a schoolgirl that get increasingly more erotic as you go through them. Okay. Uh, and that was her thing back. She was very uh, controversial. Oh. And she was also a woman writing – and she wasn't supposed to, apparently. Uh, <laughs> they weren't supposed <laughs> to do that. that and her husband took credit for a lot of her work. So, Oh, wow. I'm so it, glad you brought that. It's really interesting that they made this light musical out of one of her books, which are typically, they're, they are light and fun, but they have this air of, of uh, 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 concern throughout them.
0: Wow, I didn't know that at all. Thank you for bringing that to the table.
1: The rest of that year does not look like anti-mame was another one that was up and kind hot roof is good defiant ones is good but kind hot scene roof is really good
0: yeah i would probably take that over gg or maybe i don't know horse apiece yeah 1959 last movie end of the decade end of an era beginning of a new one for sure it definitely like fits in more with the movies in the 1960s um, that became that were best pictures then but the to cap it off is 1959's Ben Hurt.
1: Yeah, you know I I did see this movie and I remember again, this was along the, the same era of me watching movies as um, as Oh, uh, that era when you started watching movies. The era when I, where I watched movies, The Greatest Show on Earth. Okay. This was a part of that epic binge I was on and I remember it's been a long time, I remember liking it and being, I think it was I was a little bit cast because I was just fascinated with myself for really liking something I thought I would hate which is sure old movies that are really long and about things that I have no interest in but I remember being really impressed by it and, uh, and impressed and, by yourself and impressed by, or being impressed by me by being impressed yeah
0: okay um yeah it probably one of the surprising parts is that like it takes place in the time with Jesus and so it is really cool being like kind of then I feel like you know I went to a Catholic school the narrative was like it's weird because it's like the narrative of a Catholic school is that like Jesus was the only thing happening and also the biggest and then when you like learn about history it's like it is absolutely the opposite there you know there was this empire that existed and he was just like this one you know tiny bit of This larger machine, and he was, you know, and not well known at all. Um, And so then it is cool to see like that this stuff was happening at that time. But Ben Hur itself, I mean, for me, it's so long. It is, (laughs) it's so Oscar bait. Just being like a towering, ambitious period drama that is over three hours long. And also like i I think going into this decade, I thought like Charlton Heston he's so good looking and is such a well known actor and is in all these movies, but coming out of it, I was like, man, I don't dig charlton Heston,
1: no, and I think personally I'm not a big fan, <laughs> yeah, uh you know, we've hung out, and I didn't care for it <laughs> he um yeah it's um it's very specific, it's like a very specific appeal and <laughs> I don't know that it would hold up on a second viewing for me, especially if I have to watch it on two cassettes. I have to eject one cassette <laughs> and put in another cassette. There's an
0: intermission, which is like almost all the movies in the 1960s have an intermission, which is like yeah. weird. Um, and
1: it, it was it won against The Diary of Anne Frank and Anatomy of a Murder, which both are impressive movies. Yeah, better uh, movies, I would call but,
0: them. This movie, I mean – People do love this movie, so I don't
1: you know. Sure. I have I have a book of it. Uh I haven't read it yet, but it has cool illustrations. I will say that um the chariot race. Chariot I race is cool.
0: Is really cool. Like, like, undeniably Chariot Race is awesome. Yeah. But the chariot race is like three minutes in a movie that is four hours long. You know? Yeah.
1: That's not that's a lot to wait for. Yeah. Or not a lot to wait for rather. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, the Academy Award-winning best pictures of the 1950s. There you have it, y'all.
1: That's that's good. That's a good run. I'm looking forward to the 60s. Me too. I've yeah, already watched them, this so. is going to be a fun one too. Your boy's ready. <laughs> that's great. You got to You better be, because I'm going to hate some stuff too. Great. What else are you watching? Um, let's take a look. Uh, we watched Conan yesterday, and that. Probably Conan the Barbarian? <laughs> There's just a lot of, let's just have something on. Sure. Oh, I will tell you what I watched. Um, I watched uh, View from the Top, which is a Gwyneth Paltrow vehicle from 2003. Oh, boy. About a young woman who wants to be the best uh, airline hostess uh, oh my god! I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: is I would never have watched this ever, and it is I'd, it's in the top it's in the top twenty five worst movies I've ever seen. Wow! Uh, but one of my favorite comedians, Richard Aiawati, who who you may have seen him on the It Crowd. Uh, he directed The Double with Jesse Eisenberg. Okay. He's a really really funny human being, and he's written a few books, uh, most of them about film. And he wrote a book. Uh, oh, I forgot! I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. But he wrote a book, essentially treating "View from the Top" uh, as if it were Citizen Kane. Oh, that's funny! So I wrote, I re- I watched it just in preparation to read Iwadi's book. Oh, that's uh, funny! Which is going to be very funny, I believe. You know,
0: I have a very specific memory of a "View from the Top." Which is, like, I remember the trailer being on as a kid, and I remember one specific joke from that trailer. Mike Myers says, I don't remember, like, the setup or anything, but he says, someone put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Right. And I think of that, it's like one of those, it it was like a joke I saw in the trailer for a terrible movie, and it's a joke that I think
1: about way too often. it's assess the window. You put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. No, I get it. I do think that's funny. And the weird thing when he, I forgot about it. And when I saw it happen in the movie, I thought he has used that joke in a different movie. Really? Like that's a reused joke from something else, or maybe it was like on Saturday Night Live or something. But he's a good joke elsewhere. So I don't credit that film for that joke at all because he used, it, he used it before. Maybe you were just thinking of the trailer. No, I don't think so. I feel no? I feel eighty percent confident. Okay, if you're
0: listening and you know where else it was used, please yeah. reach out.
1: Yeah, and pre set up a timeline and show it to me. But also, <laughs> we were watching it and realized that I think Mike Myers is hilarious. Like, um, I know they're like so hacky to think about now, but the original Austin Powers movie is genuinely funny and uh one mayor and axe murderer is brilliant wayne's world genuinely think he's a funny funny yeah i didn't laugh a single time in this movie really he's not funny at all there's like a sight gag with his eyes that isn't funny and he he seems to not really be put much effort it's such a bad movie but i richard aiwati is one of the funniest human beings i've ever just he's just got such a specific humor that i love and uh i've read two of his books so i'm excited to read this one too that's awesome.
0: Um, speaking of good jokes, the, like, I've been watching, I haven't been watching a lot of movies this week, but I rewatched The Lighthouse. Oh, wow. And uh, The Lighthouse is one of the greatest jokes, I think, in any movie ever. <laughs> Which one? It's the one where they're drunk and they're talking about the cooking, and then um, he insults, Oh, William yeah. Defoe's lobster. And, and then William Defoe tears into that like five minute long, like Shakespearean monologue yeah. smiting him. And then he comes back. And he's like, well, okay. I, I do like your lobster. Yeah, <laughs> It is so funny. It's like the setup is just, is so intense and the monologue is so good. And then that joke, it just like lands so perfectly. I watched it. And I was just like, in stitches it is so so good
1: i i agree that movie this genuinely makes me sad this is a great example of something that makes me very sad for people Mm -hmm. there's so much we get used to a certain kind of thing for most of our lives and it's really hard to break into watching and appreciating something new i've had that problem many many times yeah but there, the movie is (laughs) the lighthouse is such a strange film and it's so, so intense weird. and dramatic that it is hard for a lot of people to just bear, crack through the thin, the thin layer of weirdness, yeah, and really just be able to enjoy the movie. I mean, sometimes it's that feeling like I'm not getting something I should get to enjoy it. Yeah. If you can eliminate that part of your brain and just say, "I don't," it doesn't matter if there maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Let's yeah. just watch it and absorb what we can or what we want to or you know what's it, whatever's there. There's no wrong way to watch it. Um, I really think there's so many people that could, that I know who have seen it, who I've talked to who couldn't break through to enjoy those kinds of things. There's like, it's a genuinely funny movie in many, it many It is. And it's funny because it's also set up so severely and intensely that when those moments come, it's, it's even better. Yeah. It's incredibly well-crafted and artistic yet. I still believe it's a very accessible movie.
0: I think so, too. And it is very funny. You know, I think like watching the second time around, it's like you're the first time it's so intense. Um, And the second time I was like really kind of able to enjoy the like the jokes and then also like the really bizarre elements, like kind of like knowing what I was in for. Right, um, like allowed me to be to just like enjoy kind of like sure. the the finer parts,
1: and that's great to be able to rewatch and find something new. There's fart jokes in it. I mean, it's just so many I think farts. I think it's at least two percent fart jokes. In the movie.
0: <laughs> oh, I would say more than that. There, yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> fart jokes in the movie. That's considerable. That's it's like rep- the the first like audio that we hear is a fart. It's so yeah, great. It's wonderful. Um, Okay, we're on 42 <laughs> minutes right now. We're going
1: longer.
0: Longer. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Cinebuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. I enjoy his work. We get handcrafted sonic inspiration from The Licensed Lab. It's
1: like a bunch of elves in a workshop making inspiration.
0: Our theme song is from Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. The Newski. We also get support from Associated Bank. What up? Thanks, Associated Bank. And from our members for 88.9 Radio Milwaukee and the members for Milwaukee Film. You are a wonderful. And we just wouldn't be here, you know? This whole thing would just be one voice just talking to himself if it weren't for the
1: the Big Bang. I was all to be here.
0: And we would like to thank the most important person, Christopher Pollard, K Polly. What? Yes, thank you, Christopher.
1: Unnecessary.
0: Alright, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.